welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, TDSers. This episode, I spoke to journalist Stacey Dugood, and I've been very excited to talk to her because I followed her on Instagram for a long time. And she speaks very openly about her divorce, which is still ongoing on Instagram, starts some really interesting conversations. And she also writes about it as well for the Telegraph newspaper. And it was really great to talk to her about the financial side of things, custody battles, having lawyers getting involved. And we also touch on the new no-fault divorce, which is coming into play at the beginning of April 2022. And it's also important to note, because we have a little discussion about it in the episode, and we're not sure, but I've looked it up. And under the new no-fault divorce, you can no longer pick adultery as a reason for your divorce. There's no blame. So you just say that you want to get divorced and that's enough. You don't give a reason as you have before. And I know that that's good for a lot of people. And some people feel like that's problematic because they want to associate blame if they feel it's someone else's fault. So we talk a little bit about that as well as having your world crash down around you. Stacey lost her job. She moved out of the family home. Talk about all of that and then doing the work and delving into yourself as well as dating um, and coming out the other side better for it. So enjoy. I am joined by Stacey Duguid, journalist. Welcome to The Divorce Social. Thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome because I've been stalking you on social media for such a long time in your divorce recovery. So I'm really excited to talk to you about it now. I'm happy you've been stalking me. That's really made me (laughs) smile this morning. It's interesting because actually so many women have shared their stories with me and have been really honest with me 
directly. And I was actually thinking about this last night, sort of two, almost two years on. Actually, my first reveal post, I suppose, was September two years ago. Oh, my goodness. 2020. Hello. And back in those early days, I remember messaging people back at 2 a.m., and they were up as well. So this platform has provided a safe space for women to discuss divorce openly, a subject that is still fairly taboo for women to talk about. There's so much shame attached to it and guilt. I agree. And you know, that's why I set up this podcast. And that's why I get so excited when I find people like you on social media talking openly about things. Because I guess I'm the same with the podcast. I get a lot of messages from people going through divorce or or a breakup or even just thinking about it and having a really hard time making that decision. And I think it is such a taboo area and something we're still not talking about enough. What have you found from sharing your story? Because that must have been, I mean, I've read some articles and you say you found it difficult to tell family and friends, but you then just told everyone on social media. What is it like sharing that with 25,000 people on Instagram? I had two choices, really. It was either to tell the truth or come off social media completely. You know, I was busy working for a fashion corporate at the time. I was traveling to Milan and Paris. I was living a so-called hashtag glamorous life. I had it all, you know. I was posting about my travel and my outfits and this, that and the other. But it felt so alien to me to be posting about a sort of surface view of my life that just wasn't the reality. And I knew that either I had to be my authentic self across social media or just pack it in altogether. So actually, the first post did cause a ripple. It caused a ripple for people I know, people I love, people who love me, who were kind of in denial, who'd also lived the journey with me for much longer than that first post in September 2020. They were of the opinion that actually I should not share the information. But to be very, very clear, I'm only sharing a part of my story. The full picture isn't there for open broadcast. You know, I never mention my ex. I don't discuss why we broke up. And I'm very clear with any editor who commissions me. But by opening up on social media, I found it was almost like, oh, my goodness, I'm not alone. Other women are going through this, have the, you know, the same experience as me. And in a funny way, I almost gave myself permission when I turned up to the office looking pale faced and having not eaten or slept for five days straight. I gave myself permission to be an absolute wreck because I was a wreck and it was horrendous. And even though we'd been in couples therapy for quite a long time, when the decision was made to split, it was as if we'd just decided the day before. It was such a brutal, brutal feeling inside. And by sharing my story, I suppose it was a way of connecting to other women going through the same thing. Not all women have friends who are getting divorced at the same time as them. Exactly. I mean, that's why I set up the podcast. I always say I set this up quite selfishly because I just wanted to talk to other people who were going through the same thing. And I didn't know anyone, but having a podcast is quite a good excuse. 
So it's interesting what you say about sharing on social media and, of course, not sharing the whole. You don't have to share everything that's happened to you, but you can be honest. And I did a Facebook post quite early on. And I think some people in my divorce, some people were quite shocked and like, I can't believe you're sharing that on social media. But for me, it was almost like a quicker way of telling everyone because telling everyone and breaking it to them can be its own trauma in itself. And you have to go through it, you know, one after the other. And I was like, right, I've done the sort of really close people. Now I'm going to do a blanket Facebook post. Did you feel like that? Were you using social media to tell some of the people in your life or were you just using social media to connect with other people going through what you were? That's a really good question, actually. And I think probably you're talking about old school friends and people you went to university with and old work colleagues that you you know, you might speak to once every couple of years. I came off Facebook around the time of the Brexit vote. I just couldn't bear it. But with Instagram, no, I was actually telling complete strangers about my story. Also quite provocatively knowing that as a writer and as a journalist, that someone might commission me to write about it. And they did. And I've written about it extensively. I mean, I've written, when the Adele piece came out in Vogue, Nicola Jewell, who is one of the chief editors at the Times, rang me that morning. She said, we've been up all night. We have a transcript of the interview with her and Oprah. Can you write something and file it in the next hour? I was like, yes, I can. And the story is always the same, right? It's the same story. It's my experience, my personal experience of the divorce. But I think we don't hear these stories. I mean, we do more and more now, thank goodness. But, you know, when people like Adele speak out and say, I've dismantled my child's life, in pursuit of my own happiness. That is like the biggest taboo. So you've dismantled your family, you've left the family unit, and now you have to explain it to your child. Okay, she gets to write a a number one hit song. Being the person who's breaking up a family, which is, you know, I left, and I left the family home, which is another major area of, you know, no women, mothers don't do that. Mothers don't leave the family home. And I set up home in a in a rental around the corner. Back to your original question, which is about sharing on social media. I knew on Instagram I was sharing with total strangers. These weren't school friends. These weren't university contacts. These were not old colleagues. It was actually, here's my story. And this is, I'm sharing this with you, A, because I want you to know that you're not alone, but also more selfishly, B, I don't want to be alone because I can't bear it. Sometimes it is easier, though, to share with strangers because I think when I came out as bisexual after my divorce, I put that on my social media and I told, and obviously people really close to me knew, but actually a lot of people I know I hadn't sort of broken the news, but it sort of felt easier to break it to people who maybe don't know me. Mm. I almost didn't think anyone would be bothered. I thought they'd be like, oh, all right. But then that went viral and then I was commissioned to sort of write an article about it. And it's an interesting one. Why is it easier to tell strangers? Because in some respects, strangers will judge you more than your friends might judge you. Oh, I don't know. I think it's 50-50. Certainly with what happened with us, it was very painful. And they lived through that experience for several years. And I think when it came to like me sort of, I suppose, almost skirting over so many issues because I don't want to talk about them because it's not my place to. They were like, 
okay, well, I don't understand. But eventually, do you know something? This is really interesting. Eventually, they did get it. They like I think when I was trending on Apple News one day, one of my girlfriends who I was just like, why are you doing this? I don't get it. One day she said, okay, I get it now. I get it. I, I, I do understand. I was like, is that because Adele's just come out and discussed it? And she was like, no, 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 it's not because of that. It's just, I understand why you're doing it. You're building a community of women around you and you need them. I get it. I, you know, I stand corrected. Why is it easier to tell, you know, the person who serves you coffee in the morning that you've just split up with someone? Like, I don't know. It's just easier, isn't it? But I do think, listen, if someone is going to judge you, first of all, I'm an absolute coward. I, where, where did you come out with your bisexual announcement? Was that Twitter? Twitter and Instagram. Okay. So... Twitter, I'm an absolute coward because, um, I mean, in a right stroppy huff, a few weeks ago, I deactivated my account. I was so pissed off. I write a dating column in the Saturday Telegraph, and it is a version of events because the real truth is unprintable. My dating life is unprintable, <laughs> frankly. But anyway. What do you mean by like that in oh a sexual God. way? Yeah. Any woman who goes through a divorce, has a year of, I don't know, how should we headline it? I call mine my sexual explosion. Explosion! What were you going to call yours? I wrote it down the other day and I just called, it's just been like outer space. <laughs> you know, I've tried, I, I've dabbled in a lot of different things, let's put it that way, and it's been very interesting. But I also think that in the aftermath of divorce, you do actually, you're so vulnerable and there's a sort of period where I'm a straight woman and I date men, but there is a period of online dating where you're just sort of trying to replace what you've lost. I mean, sorry, my case, you know, which was going on lots of dates with people thinking, shit, I feel so vulnerable and so alone. I must get a new husband immediately. I'm going to go on Hinge, in a Circle, Bumble, Tinder, and I'm just going to date everyone. And then you come out of that phase. That's funny, though, because I didn't want to replace my ex-husband. I wanted anything but. I do now. Yeah. I'm talking in the six-month aftermath where, you know, for me, I was living in a rental. Lots of things happened in that period. So I was diagnosed ADHD. I, were, I moved into a shit rental for two months. And then I moved out again into a nice rental, which is where I am in the background here today. And I'm in the process of buying a house. I lost uh, or couldn't cope with a very well-paid job in a fashion corporate. So my world came crashing down. In an, and amongst all of that car crash, you know, that my entire world was shattered, unrecognizable. Because, you know, actually, when you have a job, like the kind of jobs I've done in my career, getting dressed and getting up, putting your, you know, your nice clothes on and putting on your, your armor, which is your kind of your blazer and getting on the tube and getting to work and having a purpose really gives a structure to your day. And especially if you're an ADHD neurodivergent brain woman like I am, you need that kind of structure. And I didn't have any of it. And so do you know what? The dating apps became an obsession. And I was like, yeah, I'm just, it's going to be fine because someone's going to save me. And then you wake up one day and you're like, oh shit, no one's going to save me but me. And two years down the line, you realize that, I mean, it sounds so cheesy, it's so cliched, but you have to really journey inwards hard. Therapy, whatever you have to do. And 
and that's what I've been doing and I'm single, not dating anybody. Uh, so I'm writing this, I was, I was actually about to say something about the comments on my Telegraph co- column because <laughs> we were talking about strangers and, and their opinion on social media. They are, I mean, apparently horrific and I've never read them, mostly men, and that's fine. I'm not hurt by them because they don't know me. With Instagram, I feel like I've built a really tight community of women And I think if someone were to start having a go at me on there, I'd feel really, really hurt and let down. Twitter, I don't even bother with anymore. Facebook is done. Well, the people who write comments on articles, I feel like, are always the people who are going to find something wrong. I don't Mm. know if I've ever seen a lovely comment at the bottom of an article. So let's just go back for a minute to you mentioned a car crash, that your life was unrecognisable. So in the midst of all that, and you're obsessed with the dating apps, how were you coping day to day? Or would you say that you weren't? I wasn't. It was awful. I wasn't eating. I channeled every ounce of my being into my children. And I knew that if I could make sure that they're okay, it actually makes me cry because I knew that they would have to be okay, even if I wasn't, and I was far from okay. And I look back, and I do regret leaving my family home. You know, I do regret the financial fallout that's happened to me. I do regret not knowing. What a shame I didn't know. I was ADHD and had no capacity to, well, not know, but, limited capacity when it comes to organization and planning and, you know, diarizing things and making a financial plan and all of that stuff. I just thought I was disorganized and chaotic and yet highly functioning, disorganized and chaotic. So it the ADHD was a horrific layer on top of an already terrible situation. And the only thing that got me through was my children, because I don't think I'd be here without them. Well, I'm glad you have your children. Do you think getting that ADHD diagnosis has helped you now and has helped you understand things from your past and maybe your relationship and the breakup? My mother was a single mother. She left my father when I was three. There is a strong genetic, (laughs) I don't want to drop anyone in it on that side of the family, but let's just say I inherited it from my father. Uh, He was an absent father. I always made a pact to myself. I'm never going to be a single parent. I'm going to get married. I'm going to get married for life. But, you know, I look back at our marriage and the things, you know, I was unable to discuss. Money huge planning holidays. In ADHD, there's a thing called, in Gabor Mate's book, uh, Scattered Minds, he talks about time blindness. And <laughs> I, I, I've written about this for the Sunday Times. And it does make me laugh because it makes me, it does make complete sense of, you know, the early years trying to get to a toddler, a baby toddler group. And I'd be like, what? When is it? Did I pay for it? I can't find it. I'd be lost and then I wouldn't go. So I had no kind of you know, new mum mates, because I just couldn't get to the groups. But with my marriage and the ADHD diagnosis, I do wonder, had I been medicated like I am now, I take a stimulant every day, a 30 milligrams of Alvance, which helps me focus. 
my therapy, we are able to sort of not dissect it. That's the wrong word, but acknowledge it. It's in the room with us when we're talking about life and my reactions and my sort of, you know, emotional outbursts, etc. I do look back when I was diagnosed ADHD in April 2021. I did look back on how I left my family home, how disorganized I was at my financial planning and the marriage itself and thought, oh my God, what if I just, had I known, would my marriage have worked? And then I had to really bed into a period of grief. But who knows? Is it honest truth? Who knows? And yes, we could look back at our whole lives because my entire life now makes sense with this diagnosis. And I could say, I would have finished university. I would have been able to maintain friendships better than I have been able to. I would have been able to make career decisions not based on a whim because I read something in Vogue or whatever. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm making light of it. But ADHD has created a lot of chaos in my life. But as my therapist said to me last Thursday, it's also a gift that has provided me with, you know, a huge sort of creative drive and vision for my work. So that's also a great thing. I'm trying to tap in the tap into the, almost a year since my diagnosis. I'm t- trying to tap into the positives of it and leave the sense of grief behind and enter into the period of relief. But, it, you know, I do look back at my marriage and wonder if it could have been saved. That must be a kind of big weight on you looking back and and also it sounds like you're putting it all on you like if only you knew that this ADHD diagnosis it could have been saved when did you start the process of getting that diagnosis was it in the midst of everything crashing around you yeah and why was that the turning point I've been in therapy with the same therapist for almost four years now and in April 2020 when I Uh, no longer had this big fashion corporate job and I had no longer had Microsoft Teams pinging away at me all day long telling me exactly where I needed to be and who I needed to talk to and what was next what was coming next and when I needed to eat and when I could leave the house none of that structure was there and then when I finished working full-time I suddenly found myself just it was as if time didn't exist and I was completely oblivious to everything. I'd wake up, the day would stretch ahead of me, I don't know, like a cloud. You know, you can't touch it. You go to touch it, but it's not really there. You know it's there, you can't see it. Oh, that's gone. Okay, fine. I'll get on with my day. It was chaos. And eventually my therapist said, I think something bigger is going on here. I suggest that you see a psychiatrist. She suggested a doctor works at the Portobello Clinic who specializes in adult ADHD and bipolar disorder. And I sat down with him and after about 30 minutes, we were both like, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, high ranking, both adulthood and childhood. And then the penny dropped and I thought, and so really thanks to my therapist who I trusted and who knew me very well and who had handheld me emotionally through a very, very difficult period of leaving a marriage. Well, thank God for therapists, is all I can say, because <laughs> I mean, mine have been great also. I've had quite a few, though. Have you? I feel like I had a sexual explosion and I'm having a therapy explosion throughout my <laughs> life where I'm just like, one year here, two years there, new relationships, enjoy it. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's the ad break. So it's a perfect time to remind you to hit subscribe to be notified about more episodes. You can also leave us a lovely review because honestly, it makes a difference to the chart positions. And one time I was in the charts next to Michelle Obama and I was really thrilled about it. So it'd be nice to do that again. Uh, You can also join in the conversation on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod. We have a website thedivorcesocial.com and you can also join us for our like 90s style divorce chat room experience over on Patreon. So just go to patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines, B-A-I-N-E-S and it starts at £2 a month and we all have lovely and awful and amazing chats. See you there. So moving into this time, so you've had your diagnosis, you don't have your regular job anymore you're a freelancer you're in a new space how do you go about recovering from this divorce time like what helped you during that time I remember at one point I had three lawyers I remember this is like the I'm going to answer the question (laughs) it's like the opposite how did you how did you cope I didn't it was a nightmare I didn't sleep I I remember lying in bed one morning at 4 a.m. having not slept at all, just thinking, all right, I, this may kill me, actually, the stress of this. It's so physical in my body and it's, I'm an entangled sort of dizzy, scratchy, itchy, you know, tangled ADHD brain, as well as the kind of physical heart and tummy, the knot, the anxiety. I was absolutely drowning and I look back and I think my god I don't know how I got through it but during this period when I no longer had the income and by the way still almost a year later I barely have an income I mean I'm barely working because I've had to sort of rebuild I'm ready to to get back out there now but I've I mean I've had to 
beg, borrow and steal money or friends. And, you know, I work in a business where it's all tits and teeth and you'll be fabulous. And some days I'm so not feeling fabulous. And that's why splurging my shit on Instagram is really fucking helpful. But what happened last summer when I could no longer pay the legal bills is I started to represent myself. And representing myself was a real turning point for me. I really had to look properly inwards and say, you have to find the strength to do this. And so I did with a very, very close girlfriend who is uh, opposite brain to me. I mean, she's so sharp in her response to, so she would help me with my response to the legal letters. And I was alone when we had a Zoom showdown about a financial settlement that went really badly wrong. I got off the phone and I went round to her house at two o'clock in the afternoon. I lay on the floor. I was wearing a fabulous outfit, of course. I lay on the floor. She opened a bottle of beer and I just lay there crying. That was last September. But each time you lie down crying, you have to get back up and you have to answer the lawyer's letters and it's still going on. But I'm representing myself and I, it's nothing, you know, I have a huge respect for the legal system and, and lawyers who do you know, do their amazing jobs. But divorce is an absolute financial racket. It's a disgrace. It's a disgrace what happens to women. You know, I am a woman who I can't, I, I'm not eligible for benefits. I'm not eligible for legal aid. I am in a rented apartment that I can't afford to pay the rent on. So my ex is having to pay my rent. I can't afford to pay my legal bills, but I can't get legal aid. Honestly, it has been an absolute nightmare. And I think if anyone who hasn't got my strength, I don't even know if I'm particularly strong, but they'd be homeless. And women end up homeless all the time. And women end up, uh, people, okay, people end up, but let's talk about women. Women end up in the family courts and the family court system is brutal too. I happen to, through Instagram, thank God, contact, make contact with some incredible divorce coaches, I suppose you could call them that, one of whom is a lawyer and ended up homeless herself with three children. Fundamentally, if you can't afford to pay for a lawyer, and you don't have a job, where do you go? What do you do? I don't know. I don't have the answers. It's such an interesting one, isn't it? Because looking at your social media and your career before, you would never imagine that through divorce, you'd find yourself here now. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. Mm-hmm. A lot of people who've been like, you know, I had a high flying job, I was happily, you know, middle class, and now I can't afford, you know, to live. Mm-hmm. And divorce can do that to people. And also the whole paperwork and, and legal system. And obviously, they're bringing in now no fault divorce, mm. which is going to be practice from... 6th of April, is it? Yeah, from the 6th of April. Do you think that would have made life easier for you if there was a no fault divorce option so that you didn't have to, you know, initially place blame or give a reason even for the divorce? No, I don't care about being divorced. I could be married for the next 30 years. It's the financial settlement and the logistics that have been hellish and can, are hellish for so many women. I mean, listen, I haven't even touched on custody, but I, having grown up without a father until my mother, my, my stepfather 
when I was seven. And seeing my mom really struggle as a single parent, etc. I come at this with like slightly different opinion about that the children need to be with the mother more than they do the father. I believe a child really needs both parents as long as both parents are properly, you know, able to parent them, are involved, uh, etc. So my ex is a brilliant father. And so I agreed on 50-50 custody. Now what 50-50 custody means, there is no maintenance to be paid on either side. So that's no child maintenance and no spousal support. I think so many women end up in like terrible battles over custody and in very complex situations with, you know, abusive exes, etc. And exes who just, you know, don't want to pay the maintenance and so go for 50-50. But with the no-fault divorce, I think it's really irrelevant for me because the divorce thing, okay, see so what, you have to write something mean about your ex in order to get divorced. Yet yeah, it's a bit old-fashioned. It's terribly Victorian, this idea that how many reasons can you cite for a divorce? I think there are five. Yeah, it's old-fashioned that you have to say, oh, you know, unreasonable behavior. What does that mean? Yes, okay, but so what? It's just paperwork. Adultery remains. You know, you can still file for adultery. Have I got that right? That's what I read this morning, that adultery is... I think it's a real grey area because I spoke to a lawyer and they said it wasn't. So it's literally just you can't place the blame on either party at all. So all the options are going and it's literally just... So one party can want a divorce even if the other party doesn't want one. And you can still get a divorce, which obviously will help a lot of people in that respect. But I don't think adultery, I mean, we need to find this out, don't we? But I don't think adultery still counts because a lot of, I've been reading articles recently by divorced women and Helen Thorne, who's previous guest on the podcast, wrote one. she's great. Yeah, about the fact that she actually wanted to place blame. She wanted there to be a record of whose fault it was. Um, which is a really interesting perspective on it that I hadn't thought about before. Because to me, I was just like, oh, great. You know, with the no-fault divorce, you don't have to start things off in a in a blame game and in a, you know, coming up with reasons why you should get divorced. You can just want a divorce and get one, which should be the way. And a lot of people have been against no-fault divorce because they thought it would make getting divorced too easy. And to that I laugh and say, listen to any episode of my podcast. (laughs) There's very little easy about getting divorced. But it's interesting you talk about the financials and custody and things like that. Mm. And I think a lot of discussions I've had with my guests have been about this. And I know that the financial stage for me was the most stressful part of things. Even if things weren't awful, they were fairly amicable. I mean, obviously, you know, it very rarely stays amicable throughout the whole process. But, you know, things weren't awful, but things got really tough and a bit mean for me during the financials stage and I think great if no fault divorce is going to help a lot of people but we kind of need an overhaul of the whole divorce procedure because it's all really old-fashioned. It is old-fashioned I mean so the the divorce coaches that I've met via Instagram and by the way there are several but the two that I've worked with have actually, one has a course, I think it's about six weeks, and she essentially saves you thousands and thousands of pounds. 
simply by cutting out quite a lot of the paperwork that solicitors do. I've also found that when I did have a lawyer, that they, (laughs) oh my gosh, the first lawyer I met was so bloodthirsty. I left her office and I couldn't feel my arms. I was literally like, I mean, the blood drained from my face. And she was like, so when we go to court, when we go to court, I'm like, what? I don't want to go to court. I've never wanted to go to court ever. I've just wanted a fair settlement. And I want to get on with my life. We both want to get on with our life, to be fair. The second lawyer I saw insisted on having a junior in the room. Of course, I didn't realize I was paying for the junior. So you're paying for the solicitor and her junior in the room. I was getting a five grand bill and getting absolutely nowhere fast at all. The third lawyer I saw, gosh, I mean, I sound like an absolute lunatic here because I'm not, I'm genuinely not the type of person who goes into a coffee shop saying, I want an extra dry, skinny, you know, decaf. I'm not, I'm not a fusspot. I mean, I am, I am that person about coffee, but it's fine. Because I'm not, I'm really quite (laughs) casual. But when it came to lawyers, I was like, I can't, I don't know what it was, but each and every one of them, the third one really took the biscuit. (laughs) The third one was genius. The third one, I sit in his office and he says, right, well, I don't know why I have to do this posh voice, but I'm going to do it. Uh, Well, this is a really tricky situation. So um, there's only one thing for it. It's a £100,000 litigation loan. And I sort of sat there and I thought, what? A hundred, I've already spent 20k at this point and got absolutely nowhere. You want me to spend a hundred thousand and get a loan for it? I mean, at that point, I was Whoa. like, do you know what? Fuck this, I have to do it alone. That's a house, it's a house. 20 grand is a major, you know, I don't have money, I'm not a rich woman. I'm a journalist. Everyone knows journalists get paid very badly. It's just, you know, I don't want to call it a racket because it's it's doing a disservice to people who have been through law school and who have integrity. And there are some amazing organizations out there. So I don't mean to badmouth the industry. It's just that it's just not very clear what you have to do. And that's the bit I really struggled with. You're being told various different versions of the same process, right? So the first one is when we go to court. The second one is, I was like very adamant, I don't want to go to court. I've just spent £8,000 telling someone I don't want to go to court and I've got absolutely nowhere. And in the end, actually realize that the legal, the lawyer's letters between the lawyers and with your ex can really stir up the situation to a point of, you know, actually boiling point where you get absolutely nowhere and you end up just falling out. So what happened to be quite friendly situations now becomes completely toxic. Yeah, I've definitely found that as well. And there are some great lawyers out there. And I got advice from one of them, which was, if you can just have the conversations with your ex yeah, to decide the end point and you can both agree and just do it between yourselves and then just tell your lawyer what it's going to be. Yeah. It will save you a lot of time and money and stress. But um, I think that's so right. It's almost like we need like a cot, you know, when you go for a manicure and you get and there's a list <laughs> and it's like if you have gels, it's this much. If you have just normal nail varnish, it's this much. If you have fake nails, it's this much. We need that for lawyers because I didn't realize, you know, they give you a, it'll probably cost this. And then if they email you a form and they like fill it out and you go, yeah, but can you advise me like, 
what should I be filling it out with? You then have to pay extra for the advice, even if it's in an email. And every phone call you have with them for Mm. advice or just talking, you have to pay for. And every meeting that you have. And I feel like they need a manicure list of lawyer. (laughs) Like, this is extra. This will cost you this much extra. Because it is like lots of hidden costs. And and they can really rack up. And then you're like, well, I can't ask my lawyer for advice, which is what they're there for, because it's going to cost me extra money. They're down tools if you don't pay the bill immediately. I mean, I have said on my Instagram several times that actually we need a crib sheet of, you know, if you've got X amount of money to spend on, well, it costs, what, 500 quid to log your divorce petition with your local council. It certainly does with Brent. Actually, there's some amazing things you know you for example I watched a very slow and methodical video on how to fill out form e on YouTube done by this really patient woman and she literally box by box and I did it via that I took an hour watching her and then doing the thing and pausing it and watching her and that would have cost I don't know several thousand to have done that through a lawyer because they want to fill out your form e for you they want to fill out all the paperwork for you because they can rack up the hours. And I get it, it's a business. But actually, when you don't have money to spend and there is an assumption that your ex or the other party is going to pay and that party decides they don't want to pay, you're stuck in the middle. And that's what kept happening to me. I kept getting so far with lawyers, getting a bill and then them downing tools because I couldn't afford to pay. Just to offer the other side of things, I think my divorce... They told me it was going to cost about £1,500. I think it ended up costing about three grand. But that was me not asking them for any advice right. ever and just trying to do everything. So that is like the basic paperwork. But we have had someone on the podcast who got the book, A Dummy's Guide to Divorce, or whatever it's called, and literally sat down at a table with their ex and did it all via the book without any solicitors or anything. Um, oh my god and then it was minimal cost so there are ways it's just we don't know about them okay that's really interesting I mean that that's brilliant actually if you have the time and the wherewithal to do that get as much done and talk to your ex as much as possible but sometimes things break down don't they and it's not possible to talk to your ex and there are many different complex situations but uh, we are two years on still struggling and, you know, the actual divorce doesn't, I don't care about it anymore. I just, I, I need to be able to, sorry, it's a point of privilege. I need to be able to buy a house. I've always owned my own house. So I don't feel safe in a rental that I can't afford the rent, you know. So I, I, I'd feel very unsafe. I want the financial settlement sorted and I want to be able to move on with my life. And so for you, the divorce is ongoing. So you're not officially divorced yet. Is that right? No, we're nowhere near it. And it's funny. I mean, because I've had the paperwork now for a couple of years. I have to tell you, it is funny when you get the paperwork because it's such a long slog. And then I just got the paperwork as an attachment in an email from the solicitor. And it didn't even say like, yay with emojis you're divorced it was like please see attached and then I had to like read it twice to be like oh my god this is the certificate I'm officially divorced and I expected there to be like a fanfare and like I don't know some celebrity turns up at my door and and there's a confetti cannon and there was none of that and I was like oh 
like all of this time and stress and effort and yeah. it's just an attachment to an email that I'll have to print myself like have you ever considered having a divorce party or have you had any sort of divorce celebration no I haven't been in a place to sort of celebrate but I am going to take myself away for a week when the financial settlement is done and dusted but I, I just don't feel like celebrating it. I mean, I don't feel ashamed of it like I used to feel ashamed of it. Like the idea that, you know, the three-year-old who was born, you know, was my mother with it being a single mother and me sort of having this romantic vision that I would be unit of four for the rest of my life. That's all gone, the kind of romance and the dreams and the kind of, that's that's gone. But I don't feel like celebrating. I feel I still feel incredibly sad about it. I feel sad for my children who are actually now really coming round. It's taken two years. I couldn't work full on because I had to really invest proper time with them, really emotionally support them. And actually we're so much closer uh, because of it. So that for me is worth celebrating, but I'm just not in the mood for a big party. Well, maybe, maybe you'll get there. Uh, Did you? I didn't have a divorce party because it was in the middle of all the lockdowns like a divorce, but I did feel like celebrating when I got the certificate and I put on a fancy outfit and some sequins and put my makeup on. And then I I made a celebration video for social media. And then I sort of like, you know, had a little Prosecco. My sister came round because we were allowed then. It was bubbles. And we had some Prosecco and sort of had a mini celebration. But I think now I'm on the other side of it. I sort of do feel like celebrating it. And I feel like I do celebrate it a lot because it changed my life, that divorce, in a lot of ways not least. I now have a podcast about it, but it makes you reevaluate. And as you say, dig deep into yourself. And I feel so much better off now from it. So I hope you'll feel celebratory when the time comes. And I hope I get an invite to your party. Well, of course, I'm just between husbands at the moment, you know, so (laughs) might be an ex-wedding. This is the other thing, you know, I was wondering about, you know, the kind of decree absolute, the decree nisi, whichever one comes first. That will now be obsolete as well with the new divorce bill. On the, what's it called? The no blame divorce? Is it called the no blame? No fault divorce. No fault. Yeah. No fault divorce. So they're changing. You still have a thing, but they've changed the name of it. So it's no decree nisi, which is better because it's confusing. When I got the decree nisi, I was like, oh my God, I'm divorced. And then I realized I wasn't because you need the decree absolute. Of course, it's absolute at the end. <laughs> You're meant to have a vodka shot at the end with the absolute. <laughs> it's like absolute vodka. It's like wrong kind of absolute, darling. <laughs> I just wonder with this sort of shift in the kind of wider culture of how we view divorce, the divorce process becoming easier finally after so many years, whether or not eventually, I don't think in, in one or two generations, but whether or not people even bother to get married. You know, I just... Is it such an old-fashioned idea? Maybe laws will change that will protect, you know, people who are unmarried and in relationships. For example, if I had been unmarried and regardless of my status as a mother and regardless of how long I've been living with my partner, I wouldn't have had any rights to half of the things I have rights to. And things like that, I wonder if the legislation around cohabiting and what it means to be a partnership will change. Yeah, I mean... If you've lived in the same house with a person for a certain amount of time, you do have some rights. But yeah, you have more rights when you're married. And and you're right, it is quite an outdated thing. 
But saying that, I think I'd get married again. Oh my God, I think I would too. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, why is that? I don't know. Was it all the princess books we read when we were kids? What is it? Also, it's just, it's love, isn't it? And like making a lovely commitment to each other is nice. And also my wedding day was great. (laughs) (laughs) So I posted on Instagram, obviously, because it hasn't happened unless it's on Instagram, um, a picture of me in my wedding dress. And the wedding dress was made for me by friends of mine who have a label called Preen. And Justin and Thea made this dress for me. And it's so beautiful. It's long. It's fabulous. Anyway, so we are in the middle. I've got a fitting there next week. We're going to chop it short. And I'm going to write about it for the Sunny Times style. And I thought, gosh, that's actually a really cool kind of new, how do you wear your wedding dress these days? You know, I, I just love this idea that you can have really enjoyed your wedding day. I've really enjoyed mine too. And I loved wearing that dress. But then sort of, you know, revisit that amazing dress and have it reimagined into something else that is celebratory. And yes, I am quite sad about what's happened. But I have two beautiful children and eventually I know that we will be friends one day and we did have a good wedding day and you're right love it's to 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 feel sad and be on the floor and feel all the emotions is to be human and that's that we're sort of I suppose that's that's how we're built it's who we are and what we're on this planet for is not to be alone and although everybody keeps saying to me enjoy your time alone I'm like yeah yeah sure I'm really enjoying this time alone because I am alone a lot with 50-50 custody but I don't want to be alone forever and I have this romantic idea that if I met somebody and they also had children we'd have this kind of big noisy messy family together but um or I might just move to Shetland with my dog and (laughs) be a writer on my own who knows love that but it is about love and I haven't given up on love. Yeah, and I think I think that's the nice thing as well is you can go through all this heartache and still not, you know, that person wasn't right and that situation wasn't right. But yeah, we still haven't given up on love. I think it's about getting to a place for me where I feel comfortable on my own and I think I'm there now and I enjoy being on my own but I'm still not ruling and I'm not necessarily looking for my next husband right now or wife but (laughs) I'm definitely that's hopefully going to be an option in the future and I think that's exciting and and also I know that when I was in the midst of everything I didn't feel that it was going to be an option in the future right and I think that's a hard thing yeah, I think I think actually what we've been talking about, which is this like cheesy idea of journeying inwards, it's really actually it's absolutely fucking crucial because if you don't do that, you have to rebuild and you almost have to build a new you. It's not even a rebuild; it's like a it's it's just building a new view. And I've done that through uh, all manner of things, uh, getting incredibly drunk, lots of therapy, lots of time with friends, a renewed. Uh, relationship kind of more a deeper relationship with my children and ultimately with myself and actually gosh and I talked about it earlier like going back to that sort of idea that I was quite crazy the first six months after divorce dating I mean dating such randoms geez and and now (laughs) I'm like I could take it or leave it really I could take it or leave it I could go on a date I could not go on a date I don't really mind and that's because I know this year I've got a house to buy, a house to decorate, 
children to look after, nights out to have, and I'm definitely going to go away on a little retreat for myself. So rebuilding and building a, a different, a stronger version of yourself. And then who knows? Life's there. You know, life doesn't end. It doesn't stop. I said earlier that I actually wouldn't be here had it not been for my children. Um, that's really how it felt in the moment because I was I was so down. I was so low. I was so broken. But I think if anyone is listening and feels that way right now, then just know that you are even at rock bottom. You can you can get back up again. It is possible. Absolutely. Well, that seems like a perfect place to finish. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been lovely to chat. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, it would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, but also it affects our listing in the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com and we have a Patreon account, which means that you can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month and it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90s-style divorce and heartbreak chat room and there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines and please leave a review. Did I say that already? 
already. Please leave a review. Love you forever.